One, there. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Ooh, we got it smoky in here today. Yes, yes, we do. Well, we're um, finishing up our third week of the Real Housewives series and want to say thank you so much for being with us today. If this is your first time here, you are a welcome guest with us, and we are so glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us this morning. This series has focused on women in the Bible, and we have lovingly called it Real Housewives of the Bible. And basically just taking a look at some women in the Bible who are just real everyday people, just like you and me, just like other women that are here. They faced um, struggles and issues and had personal issues, family issues, issues with children. And so we've just taken an opportunity to spend some time looking at that and just seeing what God's Word has to say about women who are real and who face things that all of us face. And so today we're going to finish up by looking at Rahab. Now, in the past two weeks, we've dealt with um, both women. We've dealt with uh, Rebecca and Eve, and both of them had issues with children and family and and all those sorts of things. And Rahab is just a little bit different. Um, But before we get there, I want to just, I kind of want to set the stage. Um, You know, there are certain names that when you hear them, you automatically think of, what that person does, or you think of a title, like Billy the Kid, that's right, all right, good, okay, here's another one, Jack the, right, good, okay, how about, now this is, might be a little bit younger generation, Buffy the, oh, y'all are good, okay, good, um, all right, Alexander the, great, okay, good, and Conan the, yes, and final one, Winnie the, Pooh. that's right, wouldn't you hate to have a title of Pooh? Winnie the Pooh? I mean, what exactly does that even mean, right? <laughs> so anyway, there are certain names that when we, when we hear that name, we know what the title is. Alexander the Great. It tells us something about him. Uh, Conan the Barbarian. We're automatically learning something about that person because of the title that is attached to them. And Rahab is no different. Does anyone happen to know what Rahab's label is? The prostitute, exactly right. Rahab, the prostitute. And in the Bible, you know, uh, women uh, had to get jobs just like they do now, and that tells us about Rahab's uh, occupation. And so we're just going to spend some time today looking at Rahab, looking at her title. You know, sometimes titles can tell us about past failures. Sometimes titles can tell us about things that didn't go so well with a person. Maybe you find yourself there today. Maybe you've, you've got a title that you just can't seem to shake. You've got an identity from something that you did a long time ago. And even though it's not necessarily attached to your first name, it's something that you know, something that you understand as far as maybe a failure or a, a, a lack of achievement or um, something that you did that, that just doesn't quite live up to what the world would expect. And so each day you end up just feeling the weight of this title. Maybe it has something to do with a job opportunity missed. Maybe it has to do with a failed marriage or friendship. Maybe it has to do with some sexual thing that happened a long time ago that you just wish would go away. But it just seems to keep hanging on to you like some sort of title. And Rahab was in a situation that was no different. Rahab the prostitute. 
Not Rahab the beautiful, not Rahab the the leader, not Rahab the, the prophetess, Rahab the prostitute. And sometimes when we carry titles like that, we can just... We can just live under the weight of that. We can live under the weight of feeling like we just haven't achieved, we haven't lived up, or we just live with this guilt on us. So if you find yourself there today, I want to start off today with a verse from Psalm chapter 38, verse 4. And it says, My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden that is too heavy to bear. Have any of you felt that way before? You don't have to raise your hand. But maybe there's been a time in your life when your guilt has just overwhelmed you. And I want to remind you today that if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you know him, it is not his desire for us to live under the weight of guilt. When we enter into a relationship with him, our sins are forgiven. The things that we have done wrong are no longer on top of us like a heavy cloak. That feeling of guilt is gone. We may feel We may feel um, remorse over what's happened. We may feel sorrow over that. But as far as guilt, that's been covered. That's been taken care of. So I don't want you to, I don't want you to come in here today thinking, oh no, you know, this is going to all about making me feel guilty about my past or the things that I could have done or should have done. And I'm just, I'm just here to kind of find a new way. And I don't even know if God could use me based on my past. I don't even know if there's anything at all that he can do in my life, but, but I'm here. You know, maybe, maybe God could use a, a murderer or an adulterer or a swindler or a thief or a traitor but I, I don't know if he could use me. And I want to tell you today, and we're going to see in Rahab's story today, it doesn't matter what your title is, God can use you right where you are. God can take your past and redeem that. God can take your past and take it away from what the world might think of, and he can use you despite what has happened in your life. So we're going to go to the book of Joshua today in chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open up there. If not, you can feel free to pull out your phones. We always welcome those here. And I want to just give you a little bit of history. We're going to turn the pages back about 3,500 years to the time of Joshua. Now, I'm going to back up just a little bit more than that. Some of you might remember the name of Moses. God chose Moses to free the Israelites out from underneath Pharaoh's rule. And so Moses goes and he, and he gets the people out. Pharaoh gives him a really hard time about it. And they begin to travel to what God has prepared for his people, the Israelites. And it's called the promised land. And he has basically secured for them a large amount of land so that his people can be safe from slavery. They can be free. They can enjoy their lives. They can enjoy the presence of God. And so they begin making their way there, and Moses dies, and he has a number two in command, and his name is Joshua. And so God promises Joshua, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses as you continue to travel toward the promised land, and you're going to take out all the people that are in your way. There's going to be groups of people that I don't necessarily approve of. They're not following me. They're not living the way they should be living. And so you're going to conquer these lands. This is not going to be like major struggle. You're going to go in and wipe these people out and take over their lands because I am giving you the promised land. And so the people begin traveling and wandering for 40 years. And, oh, y'all, they're grumbling. At times they're like, oh, take us back to Egypt. We'd rather be in slavery than be out here wandering around. And so Moses, he's like, whew, these people are driving me crazy. 
And so Joshua then comes into command and he's dealing with the same thing. But God promises him, I'm going to be with you. So they're traveling through um, the desert lands and taking out town after town. And they come to a city called Jericho. Anybody ever heard of Jericho? There's a little song about it. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Okay, so that's where they are. So they come to Jericho. Now, you've got to understand a little bit about Jericho. Biggest, hugest, most fortified city they've come to yet. And Jericho is known for its walls. Jericho has not only one, but two very large walls that surround the city in order to protect it. And these walls are 25 feet high and 20 feet thick. Can you imagine how long it took to build that? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So, so Jericho was very serious about protecting themselves. They did not want the enemy to get in. So there's wall number one and wall number two. So Joshua, this being his first mission with the Israelites as he's leading them, he's like, ooh, I wonder how this is going to go down. I mean, this is a big city. These people are bad people. These are bad dudes. And we got these two walls to deal with. So I'm, I'm just going to get two spies. I'm going to send them into the city, and we're going to check out what's going on. So let's pick up in Joshua 2, verse 1. It says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named who? Rahab. There we go. And they stayed there that night. Okay. So Joshua's like, all right, I'm going to send some guys in, kind of get them inside the city, just take a peek at what's going on. Now, there was a time earlier where Joshua, they were about to conquer another land, and Joshua sent some spies in as well. So this is kind of a, a thing. Send in the spies, check out the land, see what we're dealing with. So he tells them, go and scout out the land and uh, see what's going on around Jericho. Check it all out. And so the guys go in, and they head to the prostitute's house. Okay, great. Well, guys, that's, that's not exactly what I told, told you to do. Uh, that's not the plan. So I want to tell you just a little bit about um, Rahab and probably what her house was like and what was going on. Now, first of all, I want to give you the definition of Rahab's name because this is great. Her name means pride and savagery. Okay, so you can imagine that we're going to see Rahab. We're, we may not be talking about the most... Um, lady-like, demure type of person. You know, pride and savagery going on here. She's a woman who's in charge. She's a woman with a plan. She's a woman who knows what's going on. Um, She's basically running her own business. So just like today, when women seek to have a job, and unfortunately some of them are caught in prostituting themselves, Rahab is in the same situation. She's got to make money, y'all. She's got a family to take care of. It's not the most glamorous thing in the world. Society looks down on it. You could get in trouble for it, but, well, I've got a family to take care of. And so a lot of times, these, uh, the houses of prostitutes would be built in between the two walls. So picture wall number one, and then about 15 feet of space, and then wall number two. So they would lay beams down and then cross beams because it already two walls of the house would already be provided. Think of this as the low-rent district. This is, the, this is the shady part of town in between the two walls. 
Not a lot of money required to live there. You've already got a couple walls set up, so hey, I don't have to spend money on that. I'll just build my little thing here. Here's Rahab. Well, not only am I going to have a house, I'm going to have a business. Think of it as the local tavern. This is the place where if you need the scoop on what's going on in town, head over to Rahab's. You need to find out the latest gossip, head over to Rahab's. Want to hang out, have, have, a, have a brew with your friends, head over to Rahab's. Oh, and there are women there too. So this is the place where everybody goes to kind of hear what's going on. So it makes sense that the spies would go there because there are going to be locals. There are going to be people from that area talking. It's a good place for them to listen in and find out what's going on. So the people would gather around in groups and talk about the happenings in town, talk about what's going on, and it's no different here. And as the spies settle in and begin listening, they begin hearing people talk about the Israelites. Have you heard about what they did? Have you heard that they walked through the sea on dry land? The sea parted for them and they crossed through. And as soon as they got to the other side, the sea closed up and Pharaoh's men were wiped out. And when was that? That was about 40 years ago. Y'all, 40 years later, they're still talking about how the Israelites walked across the sea on dry land. And then, and then there was that thing just a couple months ago where they, where they took out those two cities, walked in, obliterated, gone. These are bad people. Do not get in their way. We are terrified of these people. Let's look at Joshua 2, verse 2. So we find out that the spies are found out, that they're there, they're talking to people, they're finding out things. And so someone tells the king. So there's this king spy in with the Israelite spies. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. And so the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. All right, so set the scene. So the spies come in. They're trying to be all cool. They're listening to what's going on. There are some other spies in the room. So the spies spy the spy. Then the spies go tell the king about the spies. And then the king sends the word to Rahab that says, get rid of the spies. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, good. So, um, so the king finds out they're there, and he's like, oh, no, we're not having any of this. I am not having my land infiltrated. I've got walls. I've got people. I've got armies. We cannot go there. So now what? A message is sent directly to Rahab that says, send the men out. Don't let them stay here. Now let's take just a minute and remind ourselves, what does uh, Rahab's name mean? Pride and savagery. So Rahab has a choice to make. Does she listen to the order from the king? Or does she take a slightly different route? Is it a good idea to disobey an order from the king who has spies, spying on the spies? I do have a job and a family to think about. Well, hmm, let's see what happens next. We're going to go to Joshua 2, 4 through 6. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left town at dusk as the gates were about to close. And I don't know where they went, but if you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Now, actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. Interesting choice. 
So the king's men come. They tell her, send out the spies. And she's like, what spies? I don't even know what you're talking about. There were some guys that were here earlier. I didn't know where they were from. I don't know where they're going. A lot of people come in and out of my place. We have a good time around here. I can't keep up with all these people coming and going. Well, she knew exactly where they were. She had taken them and put them up on the roof and covered them in bundles of flax. Now, flax was used. It was harvested and put into these bundles, and it was used to make linen and cloth, and it would need to be dried out. So they would store it on the roof of their homes. And remember that in the Bible times, a lot of times the roof was kind of like, for us, a front porch. It was kind of an extra room outside. You could eat up there, hang out, do a little sunbathing, I guess, if you like. You could hang, you know, put your flax out up there. So that's, so she sends them up to the roof. She covers them with flax. And, and why, why is she doing that? What difference would it make to Rahab? Let's go on. Let's go to Joshua chapter, um, verse 8. So before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. So she knew exactly what was going on in the walls of her tavern. She heard the talk that was going on. She watched the strangers who had come into town. Let's see what's next. Before the spies, I'm sorry, let's go back. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you the land. We're all afraid of you. Okay, let's go on. And everyone in the land is living in terror. We are scared to death. You guys have shown up. We've heard about you years before you even got here. And now you show up and you're in my tavern. I've got a choice to make. What am I going to do? I've heard that you've got fail-proof success. The Lord is on your side. There's no way we're going to be able to stand up against you. If I want to live, I need to come to your side. I have a choice to make. So I choose to believe in your God. Because I've heard that your God does awesome things. I've heard that your God, when he waves his arm, there's no one who can stand. Your God is supreme above all gods. Your God has protected you. He has paved the way for you. And it is no different in your life today. When you know God, when you believe in him, when you have a relationship for him, he goes ahead of you. Does it mean that life is perfect? No, it does not. Does it mean that you are not alone? That is absolute truth. She says, the people here in Jericho know about what's going to happen, but I recognize that your God is really God, and I want to identify myself with that God. Maybe you're here today, and that is the choice that you're trying to make. Who am I going to follow? Who am I going to identify with? My life is a big mess. I've got a label attached to me. I'm known as failure. I'm known as crazy. I'm known as the girl who sleeps around. I'm known as the guy who got kicked out of the army. I'm known as the woman who's been divorced three times. Maybe you're here just looking, searching. Who am I going to choose? Who am I going to follow? You know, at one church, we're not about attracting a crowd. We don't want to be consumed with our numbers. We want to be the place where you can intersect Jesus face to face and so that in your life you will become a fully devoted follower of Christ. There is no better thing. 
I want to go to verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11. And this is what Rahab says. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. For the Lord your God is a supreme God. I'm sorry, I've got verse 11 here. And we know what you did to the two Amorite kings of the east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. There again, they've heard about what God has done. They've heard that God has gone before them. And later she says, For the Lord your God is the supreme God, the God above heaven and the earth below. I know who I'm dealing with here. I may not know him in my culture. I may not know him personally, but I sure have heard about him. And I've heard that he is supreme, that he can do all things. And I want to choose today to be aligned with him. Is that what the choice that you would make today to be aligned with him? We can look at the life of the Israelites and see that everything didn't go perfectly for them just because God was with them. They did a lot of wandering. They did a lot of traveling. They looked in a lot of places. They faced a lot of enemies. But look what Rahab says without even knowing him. Chapter 2, verse 11. For the Lord your God is a supreme God. The God of the heavens above and the earth below. So she makes a deal with the spies. She says, if you, because I've saved you tonight, because I didn't turn you over to the king's men, you stay here and I've let you stay here. I want you to promise that when you all come back to take over the city, that you will spare my life and the life of my family and my parents and my brothers and my sisters. And and I've sent the spies out. They're outside the city gates. They're looking for you out there. You go out through this window, but you go to the hills. Don't go on the regular land because they're going to be looking for you. Go up into the hills and stay there for three days and then return to your people. And when you come back, remember me. So that's exactly what the spies did. They hung a scarlet cord outside of her window, and because they were on the city wall, they were able to scale down the wall and go up into the hill country and stay there for three days. And the spies told her, the scarlet rope that we're using to hang out of your window, leave it outside the window. So that way, when we come back into the city, your house won't be touched. And if for some reason you or your family are harmed, we will take responsibility for it. You have helped us, now we will help you. You have made a choice to stand with God, now we will help you. And God will protect you. So we're going to go over to Joshua chapter 6. So the spies leave, the the king's spies have gone out. They came back and reported to the king, we can't find these guys, we have no clue where they are. The spies go back and tell Joshua everything that had happened, and it comes time for the Israelites to take over the city of Jericho. So God tells them this most unlikely plan. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to march around the city each day. I want you to march around the city walls. Okay, now, have any of you ever seen Veggie Tales? You guys familiar with Veggie Tales? Okay, there's a great, if you don't, look this up, y'all. This is the best telling of this I've ever seen. So, so the veg- vegetables are marching around outside the walls of Jericho, and there's these little peas that are sitting up on the wall, and they're looking at the Israelites going, what are you doing? <laughs> you look so dumb marching around our city. And so they sing this song to them about how crazy they are. And I'm sure that people inside of Jericho must have thought, thought the same thing. What are these guys doing just walking around our city? We have no clue what's happening with these people. They're nuts. 
We thought they were going to come take us over, and all they're doing is walking around the city. Sometimes you may find yourself in that place when God has given you something to do. It may not make any sense to you. It may seem like the most unlikely thing. But I promise you that when God says do it, if you will just listen and obey and follow, he will take you exactly where you are supposed to be. He will lead you to the thing that he has for you. So even though it seems nuts and crazy, trust him. Just like the Israelites. So they walk around the city, and on the seventh day, the army, the city, all the people um, were supposed to march around the city. And this time, they were supposed to play the trumpets and play the gongs and the harps and beat the sticks and yell at the top of their lungs while they go around the city seven times on that day. So they're going around and around, like, woo-hoo, take it, there we go. I mean, they're like partying and making tons of noise. And on the seventh time, seventh time around, the walls were supposed to fall. Okay, so once again, imagine yourself. You're inside Jericho. Here they come. Oh, here they come again, y'all. Watch these people. And they start marching and doing their thing. But this time they got some instruments with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, and look at that person dancing. Woohoo! Bring it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. I mean, what are these people doing? I thought God was like a strong God. Like he was going to wipe things out. That's what we've heard about him. And here we are just marching around. So in the seventh time around the city, what happens? What is it? Tell me, the walls come? That's right. And the walls come a-tumbling down. There they go. And so the city is taken by the Israelites except for Rahab and her family. They see the red cord hanging out the window, and she is spared. And I love what verse 25 says, uh, Joshua 6, 25. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house. Because she had hidden the spies, Joshua sent to Jericho. And listen to this last part. This is beautiful. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now here's a couple of things. First of all, who does she live among? the Israelites. She made a choice. She chose their God. Her life was spared. And she now lives among the people who have been chosen by God. But notice that it says, to this day. See the history that's implied there? It it means that some time has passed. It's not just like the next day. and It's like, okay, well, she's going to start a new life now. It means that she's become accepted God made a new way for her. Because she chose him, he accepted her into a new family, into a new way of life. She is now part of a new community, and he will do the same thing for you. I'm sure some of you in here are military families. You've moved before. You get to a new place. You have to start all over again. Rahab got a fresh start. Rahab got the opportunity to have a new life. God saw her her willingness to make a choice. And he said, you have chosen me and I have chosen you. Now let your new life begin. So the question is, who will God use? God can use anyone. This is our big idea today. Your past isn't an obstacle for God to use you. 
That label that others keep putting on you, that's not from him. That's not from God. That's not going to keep him from using you. Those worries and fears that you carry around with you every day, that's, that's not too much for God to use you. Rahab had a past. She was labeled Rahab the prostitute. That's how everyone knew her. But God saw her and knew that she recognized his power, that she made a choice for him, and he gave her a new beginning. You know, sometimes I think that God likes to use people who have the most weird, messed up, strangest past. Because when he chooses them, it reminds us just how much he can do. Just how big he is. Just how much he likes to take what we think we know and what we might expect and just show off a little bit. Let me show you what I can really do. Let me show you who I can really use. God can use anybody. Your label is not an obstacle. It doesn't keep God away from you and it doesn't keep you away from God. When you choose a relationship with him, he looks at you and he sees clean. He sees love. He seems accepted. He sees forgiveness. God has used the most unlikely people, adulterers, murderers, thieves, people who steal, people who lie, people who are boastful and proud and who are manipulators. He's used the rich and the poor, those who have everything and those who have nothing. Heaven will be filled with people who made plenty of mistakes and had lots of past and tons of labels. But God offers grace. God offers us faith. God says, trust me, I've got you in this. There's not anything that you've got that's bigger than what I can handle. You come to me just as you are. You bring your label. You bring your past. You bring your baggage. Come on, I got you. And isn't it interesting that when, when Rahab asked the spies about helping her, not once did the spies look at her and say, oh, whoa, now, we know about your occupation, ma'am. We know what you do. And we don't really approve of that. So if you agree to give up your lifestyle and everything you've done, then okay, then we might consider helping you. Absolutely not. Did that even come up once? No. There was never a mention of, get yourself all cleaned up, and then we'll come back and check and see if you're ready. Absolutely not. And God is the same way. God doesn't say, now you, you get yourself cleaned up and you act right, and then I'll, I'll give you a fresh start. That's not where God comes from. He says, you come just as you are. You let me change you. You let me show you a new way. Rahab's label was not an obstacle for God, and neither is yours. The way of grace, the way of forgiveness, the way of new beginnings. Grace provides you with a label of its own, forgiven, accepted, loved. So Rahab begins a new life. And I want you to see where God ends up taking her because it's a beautiful picture. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31. Rahab is mentioned a couple of other places in the Bible. And I want you to notice that her title sticks with her, but her job changes. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, this passage in Hebrews is known as 
the hall of faith. It mentions people that we know to be heroes of the faith, people who trusted in God despite their circumstances. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. We're talking people that God used to accomplish great things. And here in this list of people, these superheroes of faith, we find Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. It was her job that allowed the spies to come in that gave them a place to find out what they needed to know. And this long line of people that are known for their faith, here is a faith that stands out by Rahab the prostitute. She was a Canaanite. She wasn't even an Israelite. She wasn't even part of God's chosen people. And then in the book of Matthew, we see that Rahab doesn't merely live on the outskirts of society. She doesn't get just like, okay, well, you can stay because you helped us out. I want you to see what God does. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Okay, so let me, let me build this picture for you for just a minute, okay? So in the Old Testament, there's a story of Boaz and Ruth. Some of you may be familiar with it. So what we see here is that not only does Rahab get to stay with the Israelites, she gets married to one of them, okay? So that's where that genealogy or that family line that we just started reading is about. So Rahab doesn't just hang out and just stay a single lady for the rest of her life that they kind of tolerate. She gets married, and she becomes a part of the Israelite lineage. Now, I want you to see where else that takes us. It says, Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. She becomes part of the lineage of the kingdom that is established, King David. So God not only took her from where he was, he put her into a family where she begins to help create the dynasty of the line that eventually becomes the birth line of Jesus. She's no longer a prostitute clinging to survival. She's become a member of the Hebrew community. She is no longer just known as Rahab the prostitute. She's become a wife. She's become a grandmother. She's become a mother. She has become part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And further down in Matthew 1, verse 16, so it's saying, so-and-so was the father of so-and-so who married so-and-so. If you haven't read it, it's, it's really interesting. You'll have to check it out sometime. But at the end of reading, it says, um, and we're going to be in verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Rahab becomes part of the family line of Jesus Christ. She becomes invested in generation after generation. A woman who was a Canaanite, who wasn't even part of the Israelite culture, is chosen by God to do something that supersedes her label. She drops that label and leaves it behind. She chooses faith. She chooses to follow God, the Supreme Lord, as she says. And we are in a situation that is no different today. No matter what your past looks like, maybe it's not even something that people know about. Maybe it's not something as visible as Rahab's story is. Maybe yours is just a memory of a failure that cuts so deep. Maybe yours is a sadness of someone or something that you lost that just sent you in the wrong direction. 
Maybe you're just searching. Maybe all of this is new to you. Don't let your past, don't let your label influence all of the choices that you make. Remember our big idea, your past isn't an obstacle for God when he wants to use you. And I promise you, he wants to use every one of you. When we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and we get to know him, when we're like, I want to follow you, I want to love you, the Bible tells us that we receive a gift from him in order to be able to serve him. So maybe you're like, yeah, I believe in God. I just don't know what in the world he wants me to do. Then pray about it. Ask him. Get your face in the word and begin to pray and say, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do for you? Sometimes that may be something big and great and huge and and very visible to the world. And other times it may be a word of encouragement or love. It may be standing strong in your faith when everyone around you is crumbling. It may be taking the past and the label that you have and sharing your story with others so that you can say, I was over here, I was struggling, I was knee deep in living totally the opposite of where God wanted me to be. But I chose him and he chose me. He chose me and said, that label is not you. You belong to me now. When I look at you, I see my son. When I look at you, I see love. I see grace. I see forgiveness. I see acceptance. Your past doesn't dictate your future. Your God does. Your past doesn't hold you in bondage because he has given you freedom. Your past doesn't hang on to you because you are wrapped up in the arms of love of the Savior who gave his life for you. So today, I want to encourage you. I want you to know that if Rahab, who was a prostitute, who could have been stoned to death for her business, if she was willing to say, I've heard about your God, and I've heard what he can do, and I'm willing to choose him, and I'm willing to put my life and my family in jeopardy so that I can choose him, And then her life is spared and she becomes a part of a new community and a new life and ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He can do just the same for you. Don't be afraid. Don't stand back in fear. Don't question. Don't look to the left or the right. Focus on who he is. That God can use anybody and your past is not an obstacle for him. Let's pray. Dear God, I'm so thankful today for the life of Rahab. I'm so thankful for this woman who was willing to step out in faith, who was willing to claim you before she really even knew you because she had heard about you. She heard about the things that you had done. She heard about your good deeds. She heard that you were supreme. And before she ever even had anyone speak a word to her, about who you are and how great you are. She chose you. She believed. And we can be in that same place today, Lord. We may have a label. We may have a past. We may have a failure. But it's not too big for you. There is no obstacle too big for you to keep from using us. So I ask today that we would, that we would lay our labels down at your feet. 
that we would lay our failures down at your feet, that we would lay our insecurities, whatever that is that keeps us from you, the feeling that we're not worthy, that we don't deserve it, and that we would say, I choose you, Lord, because we know that you have chosen us. Help us to stand strong in the fact that you are our God. There's nothing too big to keep us from you. We love you, Lord. Amen.